Hey, hello, Minded Conversations. It's been a minute. I'm going to do something unusual, and I'm just going to take the first caller. Pierre, what is up? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Hey, um, is this kind of an open forum type of stuff? Whatever. Say whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. All right. So I had a few bones to pick with the force the vote um, revival, um, especially with like Brianna Joy Gray and Jimmy Dore. A little bit less so Glenn, Green, Glenn Greenwald because he doesn't really he doesn't really identify as a leftist, so a little bit less in that respect. But like the thing I, I found very interesting was they really were like, oh, you know, they got concessions, they got concessions, and you know we should have had the squad get um policy concessions you know yeah. and i found i was like well i would find that a little bit more convincing if these folks actually seem to like care about any legislative achievements that have happened over the last two years i mean it's not enough like you know it's not enough you know as democrats you know it's just not sufficient for what i think to be good social welfare policy but but it's like achievements. Like there was the American rescue plan. There was um, the IRA, there was other things. Um, And they just seem to like gloss over it and just kind of wave it away as not enough. But then instead of blaming the two biggest culprits, which were mansion and cinema, they blame it on the squad who were like, you know, five, six members out of 400, you know, 30 of them. So I just feel like it's like, it'd be more, it feels a little disingenuous in my opinion. I feel like there's been a general issue, and I'm not as familiar with this, but um, they – it's sort of in their interest to treat the whole Democratic Party or even its most progressive uh, members as like, you know, if not irredeemable, something close to it and to sort of like call for a more revolutionary approach. I mean that's like sort of the whole thing, right, that that the Democratic Party is corrupt and we, we need an alternative. Yeah, but if they want that, then they should just be – open about that yeah. and just say, you know, if you drag on the squad because they're actually Democrats and they act like Democrats a lot of the time, then, then say that, you know, but they think that like, oh, this person came in and they had a lot of promise and they said they were going to challenge the system. But like, I don't know, politicians, that's not unique to the squad. Like politicians, you know, uh, go back on their promises all the time. Um, and then this whole idea that, like, the right wing have, like, populists. Um, now, as far as, like, maybe some some things, like, you know, challenging the uh, security state, I guess that you could say that. But if you're talking about social, welf- social welfare policy, I mean, it's just the proof's in the pudding that the Republican Party has been way less, um, you know, populist in that respect in terms, you know, like they vote in lockstep against the minimum wage they um you know trying to hold the you know trying to get cuts um well i don't know if yeah and stuff like that so i just don't see the evidence that they really want to ally with the right when they're more ideologically closer to the left or to the democrats i know they won't admit it but i mean i feel like in a lot of ways they are and they just don't want to admit it um and I don't know, I feel like sometimes it's like kind of a branding thing and they want yeah. to like keep the outrage going. Um, and then the last thing I, I, I thought kind of as a, as a thought experiment, and I was thinking, you know, like if I, you could imagine like a, like a contingent of like 
five or six like really right wing Christian nationalists and they got into like the Congress and there's like a whole contingent like like activist community and they were like, um, you know, we want these guys to really influence policy. Um, and then they spend, would they spend their, would, would their um, like base like completely like drag on them the whole time and just not criticize and then leave very little criticism to you know democrats or the left like i just don't see how like you would think they'd be happy they got a beachhead because they have an unpopular position and they have some people in power right yeah they wouldn't like drag them 90 percent of the time they'd you know try to focus their energy on like criticizing people who are further away ideologically so i don't know so that's all i wanted to say um thank you pierre thank you for the call all right. Uh, Noel, what is up? Noel, speak. Hey, Jesse Single. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, I've been wanting to ask you this question for a while. Uh, when you looked at the, um, just for the other listeners, um, when the American Academy of Pediatrics study came out that showed top surgery improved mental health for uh trans id'd boys slash men you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah it was it was um was it in pediatrics i'm trying to pull it up now i believe it was the american academy of pediatrics hold on let me just find it okay maybe it's yeah this ran in Oh, it was paywalled. Yeah, I wrote a piece called Maybe It's a Bad Idea to Give a Bunch of Kids Double Mastectomies Without Checking Whether It Helps Them. And just to review everyone else, um, it was in JAMA Pediatrics, a Northwestern University team, where they just did not include normal mental health measures. Instead, they included these weird, unvalidated chest dysphoria measures where, by dint of how the questions are phrased – if if your breasts are removed, you you will improve on these measures because you no longer just you, you'll see what I mean if you read it. Other others will. It's like it's sort of rigging the science in my view. Anyway, uh, continue. Yeah. So I read I read the study, and I'm you know I have a I have two masters in psych, enough rudimentary knowledge to break down a study, and then I showed it to some psychologists and a physician. And we spent so much time looking at the methods and the follow-up. And then you just cracked it down, like, immediately with, the, I think it's called a Likert scale that wasn't uh, normed. Is that correct? Um, did this have a Likert scale-ish? I don't – I'm not sure. I, I mean, I know a Likert scale is, like, a 0 to 7, like, or 0 to 5 or whatever. I, I don't know if there's a Likert scale issue in this particular one. I just want to know <laughs> – because I was reading this for about three hours and I showed some, some other people that, that are pretty smart and they were looking at the follow-ups and I didn't even think of looking at the scale. How do you, so my question for you is when you look at a study, is that the first thing you look at is the scale or did you read the whole thing first? Like, How did you find it so quickly or was it quickly? Oh yeah. I mean, that's a fair question. I, I don't remember exactly. This was back in October. I mean, usually you got to read, just read a whole study. And unfortunately, um, if you read the whole study, you're already well ahead of a lot of journalists who sort of refuse to do so. Um, you know, different studies have different problems. In this case, anything on youth medical transition that deals with mental health stuff should probably have validated measures on things <laughs> like anxiety or depression. So it stuck out okay. to me 
that this just used a scale with, um, I'll read a couple of the items. Um, you know, uh, I get gendered as female because of my chest. Okay. If your breasts are removed, you will no longer respond yes to that. That doesn't mean your mental health has improved or there's just other items like that. So, um, I'm rambling a little bit. I, I don't know the answer to that. It, it, for some studies, the scale is the issue. Some studies have fine scales, but the authors overstate the results. Sometimes it's sort of uh, data transparency issues. It, it really varies study to study. And like the more studies you read, the better you are at identifying their shortcomings. And I should say, I'm still not particularly good at stats. So any sort of statistically sophisticated stuff, I just have to sort of outsource to folks I know who are better at quant stuff. I, I, I mean, I've found a whole bunch of problems with that study, but I didn't even think of the scale and read it until you did your write-up, which is why I love your Substack. Thank, Thank you. you much. That is why I subscribe for those. I just was like, how'd this guy go straight to that scale? I didn't even think of I that. I probably didn't go straight to it. I probably read the okay. whole thing or okay. saw someone else comment on it. Yeah. I spent about three hours looking at, okay, there's no follow-up. <laughs> Thank you for adding the 13-year-old because they keep on lying and saying this is never done on children. Yeah. And I didn't think, but uh, secondly, oh, okay, Jesse, that's all I wanted to say was I was just trying to figure out how you figured that out. I figured, I, th I thought you looked at that in five minutes and broke it down. I very much doubt that was the case. Okay. Um, oh, and the other thing is there is a sort of seminal study on one of the first American studies on um, top surgery on kids by Joanna Olson Kennedy. And it was the same thing where they just didn't have any validated mental health measures. So maybe I remembered that and then was uh, like, huh, I wonder if they did the same thing here, uh, but I, I just can't say for sure. Okay. So you've been, you've been dealing with these people for a while. Yeah. I've been critiquing this work for a while. Yeah. Okay. My second question. I'm sorry. I don't want to take up all your time. I want to get, let Panga to speak, um, quickly, uh, What's your what's your what's your thought on this new breakdown of the Dutch study critique? Believe I it or not, it is on the couch next to me. I haven't yet read it. The myth of reliable okay. research in pediatric gender medicine, a critical evaluation of the Dutch studies and the research that has followed. I um I, I trust the research team. They're they're critical of youth gender medicine, but I think in a good faith way. So I'm looking forward to reading this, which is why I printed okay. it out earlier. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. Thanks, Noel. Pongo 2 and then Neil, and then if others want to get in the queue, it's wide open. Pongo 2, what's hey, up? Hey, Jesse. Um, Hi. Yeah, I, I was wondering, just you you have like an internet bullshit podcast. Is the whole like open gaming license thing with uh, Dungeons & Dragons on your guys' radar at all? No, give me the, uh, the quick version of what that is. Um, so the open gaming license was uh, this thing that was introduced back in like 2000 when the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out. Basically before that, Dungeons and Dragons was run by TSR, which was a very like uh, litigious company and uh, like to sue other, any, any company basically that was running uh, any kind of role-playing game would be like at risk of being sued by them. Um, and it had sort of put kind of a damper on the whole like hobby for a while. Um, the open gaming license basically was they would uh, allow, they basically just gave gave leave for other uh, other uh, game producers to either make products for their game or to make other games using the same like rules or systems. Huh. Um, and it sort of kicked off like uh, we're, like we're sort of in a bit of a we're sort of in a bit of a renaissance for uh, tabletop gaming right now. There's a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is probably the open gaming license. Um, so. 
basically that, that, that gaming license, that license, the legal document was sort of inspired by the whole, by open software kind of concepts. Yeah, I was so, going to say, reminded what you're describing reminded me of like open source stuff. Yeah, it was it was explicitly based on that. Yeah, um, and so it was supposed to be like uh, permanent, right? The, like part of the whole concept of it was that it's not possible to just revoke this at any time, right? Or else you can't build a business based on this. So um, in the past two weeks, uh, Wizard of the Coast, which is the company that owns Dungeons and Dragons, and it's a subsidiary of Hasbro. Um, there was an article on Gizmodo that they had leaked something. They're, they're trying to bring in an, another edition. We're on this, uh, sixth edition now that they want to avoid calling it that of D and D. And they and, um, two editions ago when they went from third to fourth, uh, they tried to stop producing stuff for themselves under the original OGL and just try to make all of their pro- products from that point on, like in house going forward and trying to like bring back like the internet, inter- intellectual property barriers. And when that happened, basically what happened was another company just started building stuff under the original OGL that was very similar to third edition and actually got a bigger, bigger market share than D&D for a couple of years. So what they appear to be trying to do now is now they're, they're making a new document, which is the OGL 1.1. And they're saying that this is now making the other one no longer an authorized document, implying that it can be revoked, which is not their, the understanding anyone had of how it worked or even the understanding that they had in their public documents about how it worked. But basically it would, it would retroactively, what they're, what they seem to be trying to do is to make all the products on the uh, role playing game market retroactively something they can sue you for using unless you sign this new OGL, which is among other things is saying that um, if you make something, they can then claim that IP for their own and sell it, sell it on the, on their own without giving you any credit. And also that anyone oh, wow. under this new anyone under this new license who makes more than seven hundred and fifty grand a year in revenue has to give them a quarter of it. Huh. So, um, near from what I, I'm not a lawyer, but from what I can tell from people talking about it, it seems as though the bet is just that no, because Hasbro is like a billion dollar company, and the biggest other like the biggest companies that make RPGs are other than them are in like the fifty million dollar range maximum. Um, they basically seem to be just betting that even though there is no way this will hold up in court, the the threat of litigation will be enough to keep anyone from challenging them on it. Um, and uh, it's uh, if you're any if you're at all involved in tabletop RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, or their related other games, it's sort of all, all anyone's talking about for the last two weeks. Oh, that sounds really interesting. And like, they're really trying to screw over their fan base, uh, unless I'm missing something. So, well, yeah, uh... there, there's other aspects to it. Part of it is like the um, it, it, it is, I mean, certainly the fan base is viewing it as they're, as they're being screwed over. Um, one thing is that there's been this massive growth of these virtual tabletop apps, which is basically like uh, apps where you play the game online instead of like literally gathering around. Um, right. And they, they seem to be trying to innovate. They're, they're, they're basically producing their own, which is going to be, and the goal seems to be to make that the only one where you're allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons, which has by far the biggest market share of any of these RPGs and force all the other VTTs either to like, like, cause there's, there's a bunch of these apps, right? There's a bunch of these apps that are running. And the idea seems to be that they're going to force them to like pay them money for different things. If anyone else is playing D and D on their stuff and to try to introduce like a whole bunch of like microtransactions into their own VTT in order to try to monetize it more densely. Oh, damn. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of, I wonder, I worry it might not be quite bullshit enough, but also a little bit too bullshit for you because it's kind of a niche community, but it's also not so much social justice stuff as like corporate 
malpractice kind of stuff, but. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to look into it either way. It, it, um, it seems interesting, albeit a little bit off of our normal path, but uh, thanks for telling me about more, it. I more really more or less off than like uh, knitting, knitting communities or uh, for. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, any kind of internet bullshit is in our wheelhouse. So uh, thank you, Pongo. No worries. Um, Neil, what is up? If I can actually hit the right button, which is always a challenge. There we go, Neil. How's it going? Hey, Jesse. So I, my list of questions just keeps growing. <laughs> but um, so one of the things is that um, in the blockchain reported logo, you use a crossed epsilon and not just like a normal ampersand. So I, I really like that because uh, crossed epsilons are really like cool characters, but uh, they're not, they're not like a Unicode character. They're not because they just say, oh, it's a, it's a deformation of the ampersand. It's, it's uh, just the same thing. So they don't get their own character. Um, but I wondered, would you, would you sign my petition to make the crossed epsilon its own Unicode character? Um, yes, that sounds super important. So I'll definitely do that. <laughs> okay. And I actually did make a petition just for this bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, more seriously, um, are you following like the, uh, the Velma blow up? Because, I'm a Scooby-Doo fan am also against race swapping and am like not like particularly woke. And so this is like, like three things, just like the ultimate, like I hate everything about this story. So I was wondering if you were following. Uh, no, what did, did they make Velma? Black? Well, okay. So Velma is like an HBO max original show right. uh, directed by Mindy Kaling or like, she's like the lead on it. And so it's, it's clearly like a, um, like it's like a self insert, right? They made Velma, uh, what is it like South Asian Indian? And then they made, they, they, I think, I think they also made Daphne, uh, Asian or like, I don't know, but, the, but then they also made a uh, shaggy black, right? So they race swap everyone except Fred. Their Scooby's not even in it. It's just like super terrible. And then it's like, it's just like, and they, they change like the personality of the characters. It's just like really bad. It's so bad. Um, and it so, seems so like I, I haven't Googled it. It seems like everyone agrees it's bad. Well, yeah, that's, that's what's so interesting. It's that. So everyone like, who's like, I, everyone like me, right? So everyone like on the right or like like anti woke thinks it's bad because they race swapped did all this stuff. But then there are also people on the left. There's like a there's like a really popular tweet, right? That's like Mindy Kaling is transphobic because she liked that one J.K. Rowling tweet, and then oh she's she's terrible. So of course it's bad because she's on the right. It's like it's like it's like insane. Like it's so delusional. <laughs> like I just don't. But like everyone hates it. It's like crazy. But it's just like I don't know. It's like well at but least then, everyone's then united. The that, united it's like the in their one biggest animation debut like like of hbo max of all time so that we're gonna like people are hate watching it into like six seasons or whatever like big mouth i don't i don't understand like i don't why why are people <laughs> watching it i don't get it but fun time so you're not recommending it no no I, thank you uh, <laughs> thank you for the call deal yeah kw what is up how much jesse can you hear me okay i can very good. I just listened to your latest Blocked and Reported not that long before this show came on. And I, too, did see that Scientific American football story. My God, was that embarrassing. I yeah, this was a Scientific American – I'll just fill everyone else in. A Scientific American story right. about um, how black men in the NFL disproportionately bear the brunt of the game's violence, uh, which is a little bit nuts. I mean, we we went into some – nuance in the episode because football is a violent sport and people don't get as rich playing it as you think but as i pointed out like every black nfl player beating his brains in um there's ten thousand white kids who would replace him if they could it's just it's not a good example of racism and also if 
black players were underrepresented, there would have been an article about how that – like it can't be both that if a group is underrepresented in a high-prestige um, profession, that's racist, but also if they're overrepresented, that's racist. So the whole thing made little sense. Anyway, continue. Yeah, it's especially hilarious considering that the for decades the NFL didn't even have any black players, period. So, yeah. I mean <laughs> – it was a big damned deal when do, it was desegregated. You don't with these people. Yeah, exactly. And though it just got me thinking, the what's going on with Scientific American, which I'll admit I had not even heard of until it started publishing weird shit like that Jedi article. Yeah. You know, it's just the trajectory got me thinking. The same sort of thing happened with the New York Times. Like, especially during 2020, they just kept... And during the Trump years, too, they just kept getting woker and weirder and just felt like the youngest, most activist-y people like, took the reins and decided to run the show. But you fast forward now, and they're starting to tack back toward the center left a bit, as we know. Yeah. Do you see that trajectory happening with Scientific American at some point? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to know what's going on inside the building. As we said, Like a lot of people are blaming the newish editor-in-chief, Laura Helmuth. <clears throat> we, don't, we don't know who's who's nudging things in that direction. I think a lot of this stuff will rebound just at different times in different places. Um, the problem was this was such a bad article and just argued in such a ridiculously illogical manner that whatever your views on the underlying issues, you should not want a magazine publishing really bad pieces. So I, I've got to imagine there's some folks in the building embarrassed by that. I know that what like during blowups at other publications I'm more familiar with, it's frequently the case that there are folks in the building embarrassed about what's going on. They just feel like they can't say so publicly. I would imagine there's some old school science writer heads at Scientific American who feel that way. Yeah, I, I would certainly hope so. Because, you know, I, it does sort of lend credence to my idea that this stuff does have a shelf life. Once again, I know there's people, not going to name any names, who just think wokeness is going to be around forever and ever and ever. Yeah, I don't. I do think that this stuff eventually peters out. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Which also reminds me, I finally finished reading that book uh, you recommended a while ago, uh, Todd Gitlin's uh, Twilight of Common Dreams, I think it was called. Yeah. And just for anyone in this, uh, in the bar pod fandom or in this chat who hasn't read it, you really should. Cause yeah, really should. I'm your age. Uh, I'm 39. I'm too young to remember the original PC blowups in the 90s. I was just a kid then. But I swear to you, people, uh, every identitarian argument you've ever heard, ever seen online, it's all there. It's been there for none of this stuff is truly years. new for, for real. So, you know, if we moved on from it, then perhaps it'll slowly crest on its way out this time to who knows. I think a lot of this stuff is uh, cyclical. Um, Agreed. Yeah, thank you for the call, KW. You're welcome. Justin, what is up? Uh, hey, Jesse. Uh, hey. Yeah, uh, I didn't listen to – was there a new show put out today? Yeah, we – you know, first for our premium subscribers and then everyone else will have it Monday. Right, gotcha. Um yeah, I didn't hear that one, but I did listen to the reading episode uh, from earlier this week. Uh, I had listened to that podcast also, probably at the recommendation of the same uh, listener. Um, and it was 
I think you guys really undersold, like you were clearly shocked by what was going on there, but I think you guys really undersold the magnitude of the problem from what I could tell. Just for others who don't know what we're talking about, this was a, um, I'm blanking on the name of the podcast. I should remember it's, uh, it's an APM podcast. I'll remember the name in a minute, but it's basically about the reading wars and this alternative to the traditional approach to teaching kids reading, which is phonics took over across the country and is just, it's a disaster. And there's all these kids who can't read because they were exposed to this method of teaching reading that has no evidence behind it. And that is worthless. So this podcast, which I haven't heard, um, and I'm very excited to hear, um, uh, yeah, Katie told me about it. It, it is indeed shocking. Although it sounds like we might've undersold how shocking it is. Yeah. It's called sold a story and sold a story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very well produced. It's got kind of like that radio lab-ish feel to it, like very high quality production. And um, yeah, the, the police are louder than the pigeons, Jesse. It's never um, ends here. And <laughs> the, and the thing is, it's not just like, oh, some kids, it really truly feels like over half the country has been taught through this just terrible method. Uh, and I, I guess I'm very grateful I didn't go through it myself. So yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't really want to go into that too much, but it was like, it, it was very good. Um, I did want to give you a chance to potentially brag or incriminate yourself. Um, I'm a huge fan of Slay the Spire as well and that whole genre of games. I think Slay the Spire was like this really big title. Um, yeah. what is it? Where, where are you? Have you, have you beaten the heart? I've beaten the heart. Um, only I think at Ascension Zero, I've just got. I've actually never played as a Watcher, but I got the three main characters to Ascension Twenty, and I think I need to. I played thirty hours in the last two weeks, which is really bad for me because I've got a lot of work stuff ramping up. So I think I'm going to take a break and then at some point try to beat the heart on Ascension Twenty, which I think is like really, really, really difficult. But I am at Ascension Twenty on the three main characters. What about you? Oh yeah, no, you're way ahead of me. Even I, I didn't really try to grind Ascension, and uh, I branched beating, out. Beating the heart even on Ascension Zero is no joke. Like they, they really make that difficult. Yeah, no, I'm about I think you know uh, ten on uh, the Silent, which is my favorite class. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I don't, it's not really something I tried to actively pursue, like you were saying. Um, it's like the only game I've played in the last in quite a while. It's it's so addictive. It's so perfectly tuned. So yeah. whoever made it has many millions of dollars now, and they they deserve it. It's a really good game. Yeah, truly. Um, I, I you've probably already covered this, but um, are you guys aware of Hogwarts Legacy? Yeah, I uh, I'm trying to figure out if we're going to say anything about it. I mean, it's just I don't know. The rallying discourse is like insane, and um. Yeah, I haven't figured out what we're going to do about it. It looks like a good game to me. I've never read a word of the books. I've never seen any of the movies. It just looks like a really good sort of third-person action-adventure RPG-style game. Uh, but it, it's people really don't like J.K. Rowling like, to a really insane extent. Yeah, the, the, the woke discourse in gaming is, is starting to... I don't know if it's just being more visible to me again, but there's that. There's this limited run games thing. They fired an employee for liking a conservative tweet or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 2016 again. Welcome to Gamergate. Very excited for it. Uh, thank you for the call, Justin. Thank you. Jenny, what's up? Hey, Jesse. I per that guy's comment on phonics, same thing's going on in math. I don't know if you've heard the rumor. 
but um, I mean, I know there's there's there have been math wars, much like there's been reading wars. But what do you mean in particular? Just the same amount of scandal claiming that kids really do know math when they don't infl- great inflation. And then these poor kids, they get to college and take a placement test, come to find out they really don't know much. Yeah. And so um, it demoralizes them. Some of them quit school. That's incredibly depressing. Yeah. So I'm doing a podcast on that right now on my own Colin show. Just want to plug it a little bit. Mostly, mostly I called in to uh, talk about your recent Substack on vaccines. I put a link in the chat for anybody interested to go look at it. Um, I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but I am a vaccine abolitionist. And so my big question for you would be, do you think Peter McCullough is not serious? Do you think his research is not valid? What do you mean by a vaccine abolitionist? Uh, I believe the whole vaccine program stemming from the 1918 flu, international flu, was a biological weapon. And just about everything that's come out in the last hundred or so years has also been. You think the flu weapon. vaccine is a biological we- is a biological weapon? I think they're all biological weapons um, manufactured I, in labs. Okay. I don't know how to respond to that. I, I find that really. Um... Read Le- Leonard Horowitz, Emerging Viruses, Nature or Accidental. It's the deep okay. dive. It's the deep all dive right. book. But I really, I'm just, I was asking about Peter McCullough's study. Do you think he's not serious? Do you think he's. Yeah. Is he, isn't he the smoke? guy who, who include, he linked to, unless I'm mistaken, um, he said that there had been this spate of athletes collapsing. His source was a website called betterscienceing.com or .org. And then a lot of these supposed young athletes they listed as having collapsed were, you know, a 60-something woman dying of leukemia or kids collapsing who had pre-existing. It, it really pissed me off because it spread fear so unnecessarily. Even just the tweet I responded to where this crazy account tweets out video of a kid collapsing at a high, uh, college basketball game and the hashtag is vaccine death. Except if you do 20 seconds of Google searching, the kid collapsed, then he got up, walked to the bench and watched the rest of the game. So to tag something like that with vaccine death, when not only did he not die, he didn't even pass out or lose consciousness. It's just, it's unconscionable. And there's some real grifters, I think, taking advantage of people's fears and trying to terrorize them. Um, my question is, do you think Peter, the great cardiologist, is one of those people trying to make money or, you know, what's his goal? What do you think his goal is? I don't know is enough about him to know study? what his goal is, but my sense is he, I, if, if I'm remembering it right, he linked to betterscienceing.com as a source. Um, so, Would you believe that that's a rumor? That what's a rumor? That he linked to that? I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know much about Peter McCulloch offhand. So I, I, I believe he was, I wrote about this once last week and I, I don't, um, let me see if I mentioned him. In the, I don't think I even mentioned him in this. Well, he's yeah. Like, T- Tucker Carlson cited Peter McCulloch as saying that um, there were, yeah, Carl. No, this is okay. McCulloch and, and this other guy, Polycrete has published a letter in a Scandinavian journal saying 1,598 athletes suffered cardiac arrest between January 2021st and 2022nd. Um, it simply cites a blog, goodsciencing.com. So that's not a rumor. That's exactly what happened. Well, that's that's the trope that's running around the internet. Because it's but, true. Are you saying he didn't, he didn't, their letter didn't cite goodsciencing.com? 
it was not the only source. Let's just say that. Okay. Do, do you think you should take him less seriously if he is making a claim about almost 2,000 athletes dying and his source is a blog called goodsciencing.com? Does that make you trust him less? Well, my rejoinder to the whole big picture is what number of athletes have but to I'm not a- sorry, I'm not asking for a rejoinder to the whole big picture. You're saying I should respect this guy. I responded by saying that he quoted, he cited a blog, goodsciencing.com. Do you think that suggests he maybe isn't as trustworthy? Perhaps. Okay. But what number of athletes have to keel over before we start asking? We don't even know there's an the increase in athletes killing over. And if there was, that could just as likely be covid as the covid vaccine it's just as far as i'm concerned it's like a made up there's multiple steps you would need to even um uh I, we're not going to agree on this i i don't even believe there's uh, reliable evidence that the number of athletes keeling over has gone up i think it's this thing where like internet obsessives begin spreading around cases that don't even match that description including the basketball player who died I, I had someone tweet at me, you know, there have been four athletes who this has happened to in the last couple of weeks. I checked all four of them. Damar Hamlin of the Bills, who survived, was the only one where we don't have a strong alternate explanation of what happened. Like, this is one of them was probably a suicide. One of them, the person didn't lose consciousness. Um, I don't know. The rumor mongering, I just think people should be very careful about spreading rumors about vaccines. But I totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But I'm just curious when. When are we going to suspend this belief? I mean, the CDC came out yesterday. Lena Wen said they're finding a link to strokes. Did you see that? Uh, no, I will. I will. I will check that out. Yeah, Lena Wen strokes. It's the first little teeny nod by the CDC that maybe there's something off here. So, uh, I, someone in chat is saying they did not find that. So I don't. I don't even want to. I would. I'm not. This is an area with so much misinformation. I don't even want to. But um, you do. You wrote all that. about it on your Substack. You yes, did. I looked into specific cases that were bullshit. Frankly, okay. Do you think? Do you think an eighteen-year-old MMA fighter who's who dies, and her sister says, "Make sure to check in on your loved ones." Do you think that's more likely to be suicide or the vaccine? I don't know. Okay. I wouldn't want to speculate. All I know is I've been watching. You wouldn't want to speculate, but, but people are spreading it around as an evidence of a vaccine death. That's the whole problem I, I speculation. You need to understand there's an army of trolls out spreading misinformation, trying to point every, every which way except towards the truth. I'm a okay. truth seeker. I've been a truth seeker ever since I became a vaccine activist. And so I would just okay. encourage you to broaden your thinking and and open up to the idea that there's there's some real dark stuff going on right now. Thank you for the call. I can't it's vaccine all out vaccine abolition is a position I've never even heard of, I don't think. Anyway. Hey, what's up? Hey Jesse, how are you? Are you va- are you vaccinated? Uh well I actually agree with the last caller that uh <laughs> vaccines are biological weapons like okay. that have like killed viruses like smallpox and stuff they're really they are biological, biological weapons. weapons against um viruses, i don't even want to yeah. joke because like i'm not even there there could be the case that we're like certain vaccines have certain side effects and especially if millions of people get one you're gonna get some adverse effects but um there, there was a pr- quite pr- prominent case in europe there last year where um a footballer christian erickson who played for denmark he collapsed and pretty much like essentially died like on the pitch during the euro was like the summer before last he, he went all over the world yeah um but he was resuscitated and he's like playing back again now um and they were talking about it again when your man was it Darren hamlin uh, the uh, u.s the Bills guy. yeah 
Yeah, because a similar thing, like except uh, Ericsson was more responsive as he was leaving the pitch, whereas this guy I think was like unresponsive for a couple of days afterwards. So this guy's looked a bit more serious. But everyone afterwards was saying that like it was because of the COVID vaccine. So his team doctors had to come out and say he actually hadn't been vaccinated, and he, nor had he had COVID. Like it was just one of these, uh, you know, sudden. And those three collapses happen like when you have millions of athletes around the world playing in millions of games and matches. Um, Growing and up, more cameras on people now than ever. More ca- yeah. Exactly. Growing up in Boston, we lost a, a really good. Uh, I mean, the tragedy is he died. Not that he can't play basketball. Reggie Lewis was like the next great Celtics forward. He collapsed and died at a practice. Uh, so it it's always happened. Anyway, we don't need to go down this road any further. What, yeah, what no, did you? Uh, I assume this is not what you called in about. No, no. Well, actually, yeah. I've, what I was calling in was: uh, Have you been following, or have, do you have any opinion, really, on the uh, Prince Harry stuff, the spare autobiography, and the recent Netflix stuff? Do you have any real opinions on it? I don't. I I, I was gonna watch some of the Netflix stuff just like uh, for rubbernecking purposes, uh, but I, whereas I have strong feelings on vaccine abolition, this is not something I know much about, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Uh, it's, it's it's been pretty interesting like just in terms of the level of detail he's come out in, in the book in particular like uh he really seems to have burnt all his bridges but yeah if you haven't been following you suggest you, you you would recommend the netflix series uh well what i'd really recommend is reading helen lewis's two uh articles in the atlantic about the netflix series and save yourself like the six okay hours actually i always have time for helen lewis so i i would yeah. i could do that yeah they're, they're very funny very good but uh yeah and uh I wouldn't really bother checking out Spare either. It's just, uh, yeah, like all the co- all the juicy stuff has already been covered in the media, like so I wouldn't bother reading it. Thank God for all the content out there. Yeah, okay, good luck. <laughs> Thanks, I. Um, all right, Neil, I'll, I'll get you again next time, but I, I got to go for now. But um, thank you guys, everyone, for calling in. I, um, I'm not meaning to sound cross. I, I, if someone has views you disagree with or find silly, which I do with with vaccine abolition, I don't think the move is to ridicule them because a lot of people believe a lot of things for a lot of reasons and we should try to be sympathetic. I just, it, I, some of my anger wasn't necessarily directed at Jenny, although I do disagree with her vehemently, but this, this Substack piece I wrote where people really are online just fucking lying, lying about these incidents and say, yep, that's the vaccine. That's the vaccine, the vaccine. I find that so irresponsible. And I was really, um, I have plenty of disagreements with Tucker Carlson, but I just couldn't believe that Tucker Carlson. Well, I could believe it. He's Tucker Carlson. So anyway, I should probably get a booster for coronavirus. Um, but uh, have a nice, uh, <laughs> have a good rest of your weekend, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I would just ask you as always, tell other folks about this podcast uh, or this call-in show if you like it. Farewell.